Welcome to the Wise Women Diaries podcast. This is where shame and victimhood die. I am a woman that questions everything, so this podcast is a reflection of that. Here we speak on non-mainstream perspectives, like healing our childhood wounds, learning to trust ourselves, the voice of fear versus intuition, and how children are our teachers. We discuss what it looks like to own your power as a woman and step out of the medical paradigm. That's why I am obsessed with interviewing women who trust their bodies and babies in home birth and free birth and their wild journey from maiden to mother. Ultimately, this podcast is for women who want to thrive and have inner peace, learning how to take radical responsibility for their life and shed victimhood for good. Good morning. My name is Megan Amore and I've been following this beautiful page, Trusting Birth, for some time now. And as soon as you got a subscription up, I thought, oh yeah, I'm in. So I jumped in and I've been in there and you popped in there, anyone have a beautiful story, maybe turning trauma to wisdom. And I just jumped on it and I thought, oh gosh, I want to I share something with you, but I didn't really know what it was. And you and I kept talking back and forth in Instagram and I shared with you what I'm going to share today and you went, that's it. That's 100% it. And for me, it was having a child to a person that I knew I wasn't ever going to spend my life with. I wasn't deeply, madly, head over heels in love with this person, but it was like that child was coming through. There was, that was never, that was not ever going to be bypassed in, in myself and this person meeting. Yeah. That was why, that is why we met. But what was unraveled in those two very short years was probably (laughs) the most healing experience in my life, as well as the biggest lessons in my life on who am I as a person. It, It shaped me, but it didn't shape me, if that makes sense. So let me take you back. I was in my early 20s and so I was 22 turning 23 and I was massaging. I've massaged since I was 16 and I'm 52 and uh, this woman came in and had a massage with me and she said, I'm going to send my son in. He's a jeweler and he works a lot on the tools and, you know, needs a massage. I said, okay. So she did. And he came and had a massage with me and it was pretty obvious that we were intrigued with each other, probably physically first. And then, yeah, I asked him out actually. I was heading overseas to travel by myself. I needed to go to Ireland. I just needed to be an island. I had a big call to it. Um, it was my soul was saying, go to Ireland, go to Ireland, go to Ireland, <laughs> Galway Bay, in fact. And, but I'm not, I'm not Australian. So what does go to Ireland mean? 
Okay, so Ireland um, in the UK. Ireland, Belfast, Galway Bay. Um, yeah, so off, yeah, oh. overseas. Go overseas. I live in Australia on the Gold Coast and I was that young maiden wanting to travel overseas by myself. So I was, I was saving and working really hard and I'd saved like $3,000. I had my passport. Um, I was ready to go and then this person intercepted my path and he ended up selling everything and he said, I'm coming, I'm going to come with you and he did. So we set off a few months after meeting to travel. So we we went to uh, seven different countries and um, we landed in Galway Bay on the on the west coast of, of, of Ireland so below Belfast, on the East Coast, I'm sorry. Yeah, we lived there for six months and that is where my son came through, right there, Galway Bay in the hostel. That is like the portal he needed to come into my womb, to come on, to come earthside and be my son. And I always say he was conceived in a... <laughs> in Galway Bay in Ireland in a, in a hostel. And he's like, don't say that. That's so bad. I'm like, well, that's where you came on in. Then we, we traveled to Israel and Egypt and came home. And yeah, I came home from 11 months traveling pregnant with someone I hadn't been with for very long. And in my heart, I knew that I wasn't going to be with this man, but I was so young and so innocent and, uh, you know, being a maiden, with with awareness and spiritual awareness but confusion as well because I was having a baby. A couple of my friends had also had a baby and I'd already been attending births. I'm a doula. I've been a doula for, well, 29, 30 years to be honest and I was a doula before it was all this hype about doulaing. <laughs> yeah, I was attending births. I was attending my friend's births. Um, yeah, and seeing a lot. I've seen a lot in birth. So, yeah, that, that, it just happened. I was one day this amazing, beautiful, free spirited maiden with gorgeous long hair, <laughs> living life, doing my healing journey. Um, I left home at 16 and I started on a spiritual journey then to meeting this person that really, he gifted me a son. And that boy made me a mum and he taught me, he really taught me a love that I think no one will ever be able to teach me that. Such a beautiful, sweet soul. That's going to get me in, in my heart right now. That makes me tear up a little bit because, you know, he is a gift. He's, he's really is a gift. And, and yeah, he's my firstborn. I had him at 24, such a tender age and... Yeah, we're we're good. We're really good. We've been we've we've been through a lot, but um, we can talk on a level of, are you okay? And what's happening for you? And yeah, his relationships have uh, been interesting with women. You know himself and that reflection that he's obviously experienced from his relationship with his dad. So I found myself in this relationship that was very disconnected but I was having a baby and he wanted to have the baby he wanted to have you know his child he knew he said it's a boy 
he, I know his name and we'll be going home. So we, like I said, we, we went to Israel and Egypt and, um, and traveled home. So my birth, my pregnancy was really beautiful, doing lots of yoga, eating really well, stayed on my spiritual journey, still felt the disconnect. The night my waters broke, I was packing my bags to leave. So I knew I didn't want to be in this relationship, but I was faced with how do I navigate having a baby with someone either on my own or having a baby with someone that I don't love like I think love should be. And I, I didn't even know what to do around being a mum on my own because my parents were together for 38 years and had a really great relationship um, that I witnessed. So we went off to hospital. I felt very alone and very frightened and very scared in my labor. No one consoled me. No one guided me. No one touched me. No one said, you're doing amazing. Um, you've got this. When I look back, I feel like I was given a student midwife that hadn't been at very many births. And during my, my labor, I was looking back, I was ticking along really well. And I had an obstetrician come in and he, he said, I'm going to do a vaginal exam. We'll see how you're going. I consented to that vaginal exam. The only vaginal exam I believe I had had in that labor. He manually stretched my cervix without asking permission. And he said, there you go, you're now you're 10 centimeters. And I screamed. And again, no one touched me. No one placed a hand on me and said, that's okay. I'm sorry that happened. No one stood up for me. I burst into tears. I said to him, if you come near me, I will punch you in the face. I went wild woman on this man. He left the room. And I was crying and crying and crying. I was bawling my eyes out. I had come undone. I feel like a visual of that would just me just, I just melted away out of my body, out of my mind. I was defeated. I ended up with an emergency cesarean and separation from my son. I had to wait 20 minutes in recovery without my child. And I had a nurse, a male nurse sitting beside my bed, flicking through a Woman's Day magazine, just saying, you have to wait half an hour. And I would say, then is a half an hour up yet? He kept flicking through the magazine saying, no, it's not half hour up yet. I feel like the separation from my son was probably the most traumatic part about my first birth. I have not experienced sexual abuse as a child, um, but I believe that that was sexual abuse in my labor. And I most certainly never saw that coming. And I know that that experience with him stretching um, my cervix without asking me has played out in my, my intimacy relationships 100%. So I've been working on that and healing through that. And my postpartum was horrific, not only because of my sabotaged first birth experience as a 24-year-old young woman. Um, I had that disconnect in that relationship. And then I guess what happened over the next two years is the emotional abuse um, 
and then yes at times physical abuse feeling really alone in my postpartum and my mothering and being with someone that I at times despised um, we didn't connect on a parenting level we parented opposite so for the last 27 years I have often gone so what was that about and I do that I'm, I'm quite discerning in, in my healing journey I'm like I'll go back to then or I've done some rebirthing and I go back to seven I'll go back to my relationship with my sister and relationship with my mom and then I'll go back and work through the relationship with my father and I'm like why did this happen to me such a bright beautiful loving kind-hearted child <laughs> young girl, youngest of three, why did that happen to me? And, you know, sometimes I feel like I have the answer, sometimes I don't. But I do believe that we choose our journey. We choose our people to journey with. And that person and I had a soul contract. We had a soul contract to meet, to have a child together, to share parent for close to 16 years, we share parented uh, our boy. I was definitely counting down the days where I didn't really need to communicate with him anymore. It was pretty, it was a really freeing uh, time in my life when I was like, my child's an adult, I don't need to speak with you. Yeah, it's it's been big. Um, I feel like to Leah, when when we were talking about doing this, I said to you, domestic violence was not the words that I was using in my world and at that time wasn't, wasn't used without it being catastrophic, without, you know, the authorities involved and then as we chatted just before, that layer of emotional abuse is probably a bit more present than the physical abuse. So I believe on top of having a child together within 11 months of meeting, we didn't even get a chance to, you know, get to know each other or we were still learning about ourselves as individuals and then that other layer of, of yeah, going into birth so blind um, and then what happened to me in labour, like everyone was there witnessing that and obviously there's that post-traumatic stress disorder for me and him and <clears throat> everyone around and... It just started to play out more and more in our relationship and I guess his anger and frustration and his, I'm assuming he thought what the hell's happened to my life just turned into to turmoil, to blame, to frustration, to anger, yeah, to control and, um, you know, I remember a time we were actually driving back from seeing a movie and... Um, I had said to him, oh, something along the lines of we need to pay the electricity bill, it's due and, you know, gosh, you know, we need to maybe get a little bit more income coming in with something or other and, like, my son wasn't even one and he was driving and he just lashed out at me and just punched me in the arm, didn't say anything to me and I remember just, like, I was in shock, I'm like, you just act like in my head, I'm like, you just hit me. You just lashed out at me. I just couldn't say anything. I just couldn't say anything. I was speechless and drove home in silence and, you know, 
may have slept on the couch or may have just, you know, turned our backs to each other and gone to sleep. But I just kept burying everything and not talking about it. And I couldn't talk to my mum. There was another time a friend held a, a dinner party and we all went and, of course, everyone had lots of drinks and there was, you know, one person at the party just kind of floating all over all the guys and we're like, oh, that's just her, don't worry about it. And then I wanted to talk about it the next day and I said, can we, I woke up because I'm a communicator and we, we woke up the next day after this party and I said, can we just talk about what happened? Cause I don't really feel very comfortable. And he got really angry and he actually was standing face to face and he kicked me in the leg and I fell to the ground. And again, my son was, well, he wasn't even one. I think he was around 10 months because I remember he was crawling and my first thing I did was I looked at my son and he was just looking at us and I thought, this is just so broken right now and so wrong and what am I doing? What am I doing here? This isn't me. What happened to my life? I have a child with someone who I literally despise at this point and I knew I needed to go. I, I, yeah, I didn't have savings. I, I, I could have gone to my family's home but there was shame and embarrassment there. And I'd gone to my mum and I'd, I'd shared that with her very bravely. And she said, oh, but, you know, you, you, you'll get through it or you can't break up the family or you have a child together. I'm like, mum, it's stronger for me to feel safe than stay in this relationship. And what else is going to happen? Where is this going to go? It took me two years to leave. And I will never forget the day I left. He did rage out actually he threw all my furniture out the back and broke my furniture and I thought well this is a beautiful confirmation that I'm doing the right thing so I went with my son to my friend's house and stayed there and I felt my angels and my guides and some very strong presence actually behind me in the kitchen in the house we lived in at the time just giving me a little gentle push along like you, you, it's safe for you to go is the message I got and actually it was safe for me to go but I hate to think what would happen if I didn't go so I just packed a bag and I popped my son in the car and we went I then I stayed with my friend for a few months you know just that innocence with my beautiful boy such a young baby just when he would visit when his dad would come and see him you know, he would just, that unconditional love, he would just love him. As he got older, that relationship got quite tumultuous, my son and his dad, and they've definitely gone through a lot together. They're talking at the minute, they've got a, a relationship. I stay fairly separate with it, but I'm there for my son whenever he needs to talk on a level of, you know, heart to heart about how he feels about his dad, because it hasn't been a, a great relationship yeah so I then spent nearly six years no nearly five years I'm sorry on my own out in a beautiful hinterland here on the Gold Coast on 50 acres healing and just being by myself and connecting with my son and a uh, beautiful time of discovery in my life being on my own I always reflect back on it actually I reflect back on listening to that guidance in leaving and I reflect back on just sitting there in that on that beautiful land with my gorgeous little boy 
just us doing our own thing. And then I decided it was time for me to meet my life partner and have a family because I really wanted to have a family. I wanted a family unit. I wanted someone to love and adore me and I wanted more children. I wanted to be a mum. I loved being a mum. I love being pregnant. I, I love love. I'm, I'm romantic, let's face it. I really am. Um, I think love is the most powerful thing on the planet. It's the most real thing on the planet and I wanted love. Turns out so did my husband. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I remember driving out from the valley where I was living and I'd left this gorgeous little rental with a little creek running beside it and I was driving off and I popped my hand out the car window going, right universe, bring him to me. I want my man. I'd written a list of things I wanted, very specific list by the way. I got a little rental by the beach. <laughs> I spent a few more years meeting a few different people along the way and learning about love and you know, I was always that woman that socially was like, you know, meeting someone I might have an attraction to or vice versa. And I'm like, I have a child, he's five. <laughs> that single mum trying to, you know, <laughs> start a relationship. It's like, well, I've got a bit of a package here. That was interesting. So um, <clears throat> I met my husband when Liam was six and it is a beautiful story. I was doing a lot of spiritual work a lot of spiritual work, very connected to my inner guidance. And um, I was invited to a party and I thought, <clears throat> do I go? I, I felt into this. I felt into this. I'm like, oh, I, do, I will go. I have space for this. And I went to this party and was sitting out on the balcony and I looked in the window and there was this very charismatic guy in there. I'm like, oh, he's kind of cute. And I walked up into the kitchen. I specifically got up out of my chair on the balcony and walked into the kitchen. I went straight up to him and I went, and then my friend said, oh, Megan, this is Ben. Ben, this is Megan. He said, oh, hi, I'm Ben Amore. And he put his hand out to shake my hand and I went, I'm done. <laughs> I am done. So I, I went back out onto the veranda after a quick chit-chat and there was a guy there with a guitar. It's always a bit of a funny story in our in our meeting story because Brian was seriously trying to tune me. He's like working hard at this. <laughs> this is Ben's story. Oh yeah, forget Brian. Ben comes out, grabs the guitar and starts playing the guitar. Ben's a musician. He's a phenomenal guitarist. So straight away, Brian's like, oh, okay. He can really play the guitar. It was a funny moment. And we basically were together from that night for 22 years so he stayed the night and never left and I said to him I have a child and he said great I'll come and cook you guys dinner tomorrow night and I went okay so he stayed the night Liam my son wasn't um, um, with me that night and um, obviously I was having a mum social night and um, Yes, Ben came over the next day after work and he knocked on the door and Liam opened the door and he said, do you like nature? To Ben and Ben's like, yep, I sure do. And honestly, he stayed the night and never left. So we've gone on a 22-year journey of share parenting and co-parenting and Ben never thought he would be a stepdad, ever. 
and we've never used the word stepdad. It's Ben, that's it. Because obviously my son's dad was in his life. Um, that was also quite up and down when obviously Ben came into my world and then of course came into my son's world. And we wanted to have children, Ben and I. We consciously conceived our two girls only um, two and a half to three years later. Very healing experience for me. One, consciously conceiving, and two, the births of both of our girls. And then the love. The love that he has for me, the love he has for Liam, and the way he showed up and learnt on the job, if you like, um, in being <laughs> a parent. He, all his mates were like, what are you doing? She's got a kid. <laughs> um, and we often have a little joke about <clears throat> now, you know, all those mates of Benny's that some had kids, some didn't. Some are still with their women, some aren't. And we're like, you know, we did this. We, we're doing it. We're doing really well. We're evolving together spiritually um, or evolving together as individuals and we, we're really proud of our family you know and my son does call Benny even today and, and now and just go hey you know what about this or they have they're very similar ironically so he helps him along the way in his journey but I do want to share Leah how how grateful I am for this divine intervention between you and I because I jumped in your calendar straight away when you said oh yeah I'd love, I want to talk about that I mean having a child with someone you know you're not going to be with that's just well it's common but it's not spoken about or it it's a bit taboo or there's shame around it I've definitely felt shame and guilt but when I jumped in your calendar and booked myself and went oh yeah I felt this vortex and I knew it was coming and I'm, I'm up for those vortexes big time because that is where the greatest healing is. When we say yes to things that are uncomfortable, we, we grow spiritually so much. And I'm rebirthing right now. I'm 52. I'm in menopause and I'm loving it. Menopause on me is so good. Love it. And I chose to dive into it without all the bullshit that society thinks I should be going through. I'm opposite. I am opposite. Intimacy is the best. Orgasms are heightened. I'm loving my body. I was probably always someone that would say, you know, everyone used to say to me, so tactless, Megan, you just tell it how it is. I'm like, well, yeah. What else is there? But I've probably lost friendships over the years and I've probably had people go, oh, she's way too much. And I'm also okay with that. <laughs> I'm just okay with me right now. Um, but I have gone on a really big healing journey. And so when I said yes to you, Leah, it all came up. It all came flooding in. I'm like, these are the things that are left over, the debris from when I was 24, when I've had my first baby. I'm now 52, like I said. I got some shit to clear still. I booked into a womb hara massage and bawled my eyes out for nearly an hour. And I will share with you very openly because I'm very open the thing that upset me so much in the Wormhara massage recently was I felt like I was looking back at myself as an innocent, beautiful maiden on her spiritual journey. And I felt like this person just sabotaged my innocence and basically hurt me. And when this came up in the Wormhara, 
I felt a knife, like a sharp object going through my heart. I felt it on my body. And I was crying and crying and allowing and allowing. And I was very held by my, my beautiful dear sister who does this Wumhara. We run um, Wise Women Circles together. She's a shaman, as am I. And, yeah, she was working on my womb and I kept going and I kept going. And then I also felt sadness around my child, my son, whom I love like no other. I felt guilty that I had put him in that position. I felt guilty that he's grown up with a broken family and a angry, abusive father and how that's played out in his life and he's healing from it. I don't believe we're ever healed. I believe we're here to heal. So I will probably always unravel this till the day I rebirth. <laughs> Death, rebirth, love that. Um, so I'm grateful for that. I'm really grateful for that journey and I'm definitely grateful for you to, uh, for you for having invited me here. Um, I know that I chose to have Liam with this person for all of those lessons for the last 27 years. And I feel I can show up in the work I do in the birth space better because of it. If it hadn't have happened to me, I'd be a different person, right? I'm definitely here for the healing. I'm here for the uncomfortable. I'm here to unravel. And I, yeah, I really want to hold women in that for them as well. It's okay to feel like crap. It's okay to feel lost. It's okay to feel depressed. It's okay to feel, yeah, all of the things unseen, unwanted, but we can heal it so much available to to you to heal whatever it is you're feeling when in your journey did you start being passionate about birth was it after your daughter's births or before that before so I was invited to births around 20 years of age I had my son at 24 my friend had a baby uh, around 20 she was 21 years of age and she had a baby and she said you're coming to my birth I went okay wow okay cool <clears throat> I really didn't know what I was in for. Um, she, <laughs> I don't use the word overdue. They induced her. She said yes to an induction because they believe the baby was late overdue. Um, it's called severe case of impatience. So let's, let's sabotage a birth, uh, a spontaneous birth onset. So she said yes to that. And yeah, I, I witnessed her birth. My, my godson. Yeah. He's 29 now. And other friends started saying, oh, you can come. So basically I'm, I'm the hippie of the group, so totally into crystals, yoga, massage, meditation, and I've been like that since I was 16. So I guess for women and people around me, Megan's the calm presence. Um, I've always been pretty strong, I guess, in myself and my energy. And even as a young child, I had like older family members or even strangers just downloading with me telling me things like I'm I look back and I think I'm eight and you're telling me this <laughs> what <laughs> yeah I've always been called above my years beyond my years and wise all those sorts of things so I guess I've been that little platform for people to share but when did you wake up to the actual truth of birth that the hospital often sabotages birth well definitely my own experience when I was 24 1996 I continued being a doula and I continued witnessing it. 
I woke up to that, um, gosh, babe, probably about 10 years ago. Yeah. Can you speak to being a doula and witnessing it, but not seeing the truth for what it is? Yeah, absolutely. It was a confusing time starting to realize that birthing in that system, in a system, is more likely going to be extremely traumatic for the woman because I was showing up being this doula that I'd been working with these couples. I'd been supporting them, getting to know them, helping them with what's going to happen when in your labor, you know, even working through some things that were happening and coming up for the couple so they could have a better birth, you know, hoping to have a really beautiful birth. First time mums, second time mums, VBACs, um, third time, fourth time mums. And almost feeling like, okay, well, I'm going to hope that you have a beautiful birth in hospital as well. And these are all the things we're going to have to navigate. I started feeling like I was leading them to the wolves. I was starting to feel like I was leading them to their trauma. Um, I started feeling disaligned with doulering because I cannot be that system and I choose not to beat that system that system is designed to work the way it's designed um and it's it's running along beautifully (laughs) but I want to be with the couples that choose to birth out of that system and I have been very blessed with incredible home births free births car births bathroom births cafeteria births (laughs) along the side of the road births and just women birthing completely in their own space uh, with their love and their baby and just not just holding space not even chatting to them just allowing them to be incredible empresses that they are you have a microphone right now so if you had a five minute ted talk on birth what comes through right now stay away from hospital And if you choose to birth in a hospital because it feels like your safe space, find your voice. Find the word that says no thank you. Also trust your body completely and your baby completely. They are fully designed to work beautifully. If you are going to birth in a place where they do continually want to control, expect there to be exactly that someone else birthing for you someone else intervening in such a beautiful natural empowering rite of passage for a woman yeah it's very tricky just understand what you're in for if you are going to birth in a hospital please just fully just don't back down until you know their expectations but find your own expectations find how you want to birth and what looks good for you because it's obviously everywhere right now on social media. Uh, Women are talking about birth constantly. It's one of the biggest things we ever do. Start creating your birth experience visually and through becoming still, hearing your breath, communicating with your baby, watching things that are imprinting in the subconscious and then meet that story. But don't back down until you get that story don't back down babe (laughs) 
If you want an incredible, orgasmic, beautiful, empowering birth where you either roar your baby through your body or silently meditate your baby out, don't back down. Go for it because it's your birth and it's no one else's. And then I guess too, if there's fear, transmute the fear. Go deeper. Why are you scared of tearing? Why are you scared of being induced? God, I still hear that. I'm so frightened they're going to induce me. I'm like, babe, no one does anything to you unless you say yes. And why do you think you need to be induced? Like, what is the medical reason? Oh, because I'm overdue and there's a lot of amniotic fluid and they did a scan and said my baby's too big for my body. I'm like, that is a load of shit. All of it. So return to your wisdom, my loves. Return to your wisdom because you are powerful. Don't let anyone sabotage your birth. That's my TED Talk, Leah. <laughs> I love it. Thanks. I Thanks. love it. Yeah, do you want to speak on – I love it. Do you want to speak on either of your daughter's births? My second birth – oh, this is pretty big um, – she's 19 was so healing god it was beautiful it was really beautiful I remember conceiving her my husband and I often still talk about it it was a really beautiful really beautiful moment and yeah <laughs> it was so romantic and so beautiful and he held me just so amazingly honestly it was gorgeous and I've never felt that I've never felt that in my life intimately um so she I I said I'm not going to the hospital because obviously my first birth was just a train wreck but also there was beauty in that I'm that type of person that will be like that was horrible but what did I learn or how did I grow from that or you know I'm I'm that woman and I'm never going to change so she was going to be a home birth and I was doing I was doing Bowen therapy at the time. So I've massaged since I was 16 as well. And I learned Bowen therapy, which is just really gentle moves on the connective tissue to help realign the body. And I had this woman come to me and we were having sessions, about three or four sessions with me. And I said, what do you do? Oh, I probably already asked her that. Sorry. But she's like, oh, I'm a midwife. And I was newly pregnant. I was waiting for the, the pregnancy test to be positive, although I knew I conceived, as you know. I'm like, oh, my gosh, of course, you're my midwife. Right, I get it. This is why you're here. So she ended up being my midwife, and she'd had uh, eight children. She's Norwegian. Um, and then Ben met her, and her name's Elizabeth Mullen. She's so beautiful. Um, big Amazonian woman. And she held me in my pregnancy and labor at home right up until I was nine centimeters and yes, she did do a vaginal exam and I was very happy for her to do that. I was sitting on the birthing stool in my bedroom with my man and my sister and my mother-in-law, um, Ben's mum and her. And I got in the bath and some meconium came through and looking back, I would have said, no, thanks, I'm not going to hospital. But she said, we need to transfer you. She was worried about this meconium and then everyone in the room was worried about meconium. I'm like, I'm nine centimetres. No one's touched me. Excuse me. So we went, we called an ambulance and we went and I 
was in the, uh, in the back of the Ambo and the guy was really lovely. He said, do you mind if I take your underwear off in case you have your baby? And I said, that's fine. He said, I have some gas here. Would you like it? And I said, yes. <laughs> and it was great. Get to the hospital. I'm over the back of the bed. Uh, I was feeling no pain. I was riding on my endorphins. I felt I, I could see and feel, they could see the top of her head and my midwife was beside me and my husband was beside me and every time I got a big contraction and I went to move her down she wasn't moving and the midwives were in the corner talking and whispering which was a shame because there was obviously separation and that was a not a great energy in the room and I said to them I need a cesarean my baby's not moving and I got really worried and they said I think you're too far for a cesarean I'm like okay I waited for the next surge and I pushed and and I tried to bear down a lot with her and Ben's like we can see her we can see her and she wasn't coming through I'm 5'1 size 10 they said to me Great Danes shouldn't breed with poodles you will need to have a cesarean <laughs> I don't know if that's a compliment or not not the cesarean part the great dane breed with poodles part i'm like what are you talking about ben's you know a bigger guy and uh anyway i had a cesarean right at the end of that labor it was still very healing for me the obstetrician said to me though after that birth you could have killed your baby and walked out of the theater and left me no one was in the room i wish she was so far down in my birth path that would, that's what he's referring to. And, of course, a, a VBAC trying a home birth is just in his brain the worst decision you can ever make. But it was so healing for me. It was a really beautiful birth. Um, I felt like I failed, yes, um, but I know in my heart that I called all the shots. No one touched me. No one physically abused me. Um I said yes to everything that went on in that birth. Therefore, I felt very empowered. I had a beautiful postpartum. She was nine and a half pounds, beautiful size, uh, very healthy. So I was up in the maternity room meeting my baby and loving the moment because I, I didn't have that with my first and felt really connected to her and this moment. And, yeah, my midwife, <laughs> let's just say, got in trouble by the staff we still talk about it today, how our midwife just stood up to the staff going, the baby's in the nursery with the dad and my client is in bed after a C-section, not with her baby. She unplugged my my um, equipment from the wall and started and un took the brakes off my bed and started reeling me out of the room to take me down the hall to meet my baby after this cesarean. <laughs> she got in so much trouble. Don't you feel like I felt like I had reclaimed my my voice and myself completely? Yeah. I was in charge, whereas I wasn't in charge at all. I gave away all my power with that relationship. Uh, I found my power on the relationship, though, I've got to say. Um, yeah, and then in that birth, I, I, I did not have a voice, but I did in the second, yeah. And back then, feedbacks were very taboo and not supported and yeah in in my realm and and my community it was you don't attempt to be back so I was definitely looked upon as a bit 
well, probably a lot of things, stupid, <laughs> a rebel. Um, my mum didn't support it whatsoever. Um, yeah, she was miles away when I was having babies. Um, so there was that layer as well, which is a bit hard when you're a woman birthing and your mum's not there. It's, it's difficult, sad, actually, it's sad. Um, but we've worked through that and, yeah, working through that. So with my third birth, Millie, my beautiful Millie, it was the, I had a cesarean, I had an elective cesarean, and it was the most peaceful, calm birth of the three. And she never left my skin and she breast crawled in recovery. And I stayed in hospital for three nights, I think, and she just stayed on my skin. She never left. So to round up my three births and knowing that I was only having three children and she was my last. It was, yeah, another layer of another layer of healing and beauty and reclamation and, yeah, and I breastfed them, you know, for a year or so and that was our time and, yeah, it was really, really magic. So you supported your daughter through a free birth? Yeah, so then the other beautiful layer of doing the work and showing up for the ancestral chains and trauma and the shit that holds its back holds us back is my daughter called in a baby he's 8 months now and uh she's 19 and she's very very grounded mature 19 and it, it's happening <laughs> this is happening Ben and I are like we're going to be grandparents and I was like so excited about it um and so, yeah, she free birthed her baby in our lounge room by the fire with the dogs and my husband and his mum, who was at my birth. And um, she was fucking amazing. She reset me for birth and, and supporting women as a doula. She fully reset me in that, in that way. She really, really did. She had a 16-hour labour. She prepped the way she wanted to prep. I just spent four days with a Mexican midwife traveling to teach rebozo, closing of the bones, and I'd been in circle with 40 women. I left that on a Sunday. She birthed on an early Wednesday morning at 3.33 a.m. She had an ecstatic birth at home by the fire. It was incredible to witness. It was a full celebration. It's so cool to have a mom <laughs> that gets it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is pretty cool. Opposite to my mum, opposite. I couldn't tell you. And that's okay. Like, that's not a judgment on my mum. My mum is who she is. She's got her journey. She's got her childhood trauma. She's a post-war baby, yada, yada, yada. That's another podcast, <laughs> mum-daughter connection. But um, the healing I've done to have the relationship I do with my daughters is something I'm extremely proud of. Yeah. Wow. Extremely proud of. Like, she had an incredible birth. She really did. It was healing for her. It was empowering for her. They're, they're very connected, her and her baby boy. It's beautiful. It makes so much sense that this maternal lineage, each woman improves and like takes the baton from the previous mother. Oh, I hope so. I really hope so. Like, I, I don't feel that with my mum it was never really there I love my mum and you know we've got I've got some incredible memories with my mum she showed up for me I'm the youngest of three obviously I'm a surprise baby 
not a mistake. I'm a surprise baby. Um, and I'm definitely the black sheep. And I've certainly ruffled everyone's feathers in my family a lot. And she never said the word vagina growing up. We never had open-hearted conversations about sex, masturbation, intimacy, relationships, nothing. Nothing. So I guess, you know, yeah, maternal lineage, I wanted that with my daughters. And I've worked really hard for that. And yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of it. Is there anything else that's on your heart to share when you were, when you were mm -hmm. brainstorming what to share today? I feel like we covered mm -hmm. most everything we talked about. I feel what's on my heart right now is it, it comes back to, to women. I'm very passionate about working with women, whether it be birth or whether it just be, you know, in circle or, you know, that online space of holding women in really just listening to them and, and, and just giving them the mic, giving them the platform to go, I feel like this and I don't like this feeling or I don't know what to do with this or can you help me with, um, and then they just start to peel back and un unravel and, and, and open their heart because really that is, that is where the power is. Um, so I guess what I want to share, if there's women listening uh, to this that might be in a situation they're not comfortable in or they're maybe feeling a little lost or confused um, or don't know what to do, just stop and breathe and take a minute and place your hand on your heart and your womb and turn inward and connect yourself to your wisdom and just sit and breathe and just start practicing a little ritual every day, get in ceremony every day and that can be a cup of tea in the sunshine with a journal and really returning to our power because we are very powerful creatures.